Hey, Brine Lions! I'm Tim. And I'm Emily. And this is On the Hill with Tim and Emily. Hey, in the room with us today, we have Mr. David Holcomb. David is a 1994 Brian alum and currently serves as our Vice President of Advancement and Marketing. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Thank Absolutely. You. Glad to be here. Good. Hey, so um, we want to hear kind of your Brian story and kind of how you got connected. And I mean, I know you're, you're from Ray County as well, so... I'll, I'll give the shortened version. It might be here a while, but probably the best way to share my Brian story is to talk about the influence of Brian students and their, you know, what they did in my life and what they, how they affected my life, but how they're still doing it today. Mm. So when I was 13 years old, uh, I joined the youth group at our local church and a Brian alum was the youth director. And Joe Thomas was his name. He was a 1985 graduate. And during that summer uh, that I was in the youth, he had an altar call, essentially, and I accepted the Lord. Mm. And shortly after that, he got married and went off to seminary. But John Pierce, another Brian alum, (laughs) became our youth director and really became, for the next four years through high school, mentor, friend, Mm. big brother, advisor, Mm. just incredible. And so I was very blessed. The Christmas of my eighth grade year, Dr. Brown used to go to Mm. our church Mm. and they were having a Christmas, Christmas gathering and John Pierce was there and I overheard them talking about a Bible study. And I don't know what prompted me at 13 just four or five months after coming to the Lord, I asked John Pierce, I was like, I heard you were talking about a Bible study. Could I, could I come to that? And I could see John go, well, that's really not up to me. That's up to Dr. Brown. Mm. And, you know, now as I look back on that and I think about how incredible it was that on that night, without even blinking, Dr. Brown said, sure, you mm. can join us. Yeah. And so from eighth grade all the way through high school. My mother, until I started driving, would take me to the Country Place restaurant, (laughs) and I would go to a Bible study with Dr. Brown and about Mm. seven or eight guys that were students at Brian. Mm -hmm. And I think about that today Mm. because that wasn't Dr. Brown just making a sacrifice to allow this young kid in. Yeah, This was seven or eight Bible, I mean, a guy studying Bible in their faith growing, and they let somebody in who was younger. I don't even know how to explain how indebted I am to those men and to Dr. Mm. Brown because I know the sacrifice they made on their own enjoyment, you know, to talk freely because they had a younger kid there. Yeah, I look at that now today, and I think the pattern they put in my life at that point has changed my life Mm. Uh, Mm. to the point at which when my girls were about 10 years old, we began to meet every week individually. Each of them, my two daughters, mm-hmm. have met with me over eight years now every week. Mm. And that comes out of the pattern that was started when Dr. Brown said yes. I so love that. my path to Brian was pretty much going to happen joining that Bible study. I can remember my mother, who was a Vandy grad, my dad was a Vandy grad, my grandparents <laughs> were Vandy grads, my uncles, everybody. 
my mom, I was the last hope that someone would go to Vanderbilt. And I told her I wouldn't even Oops. apply there. I was only going to Bryan College. And yeah. it shocked her mm. uh, because I think she just thought I would I would want to go there. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to Bryan. That's where they care. Mm. That's where they help mm. change lives. And so, so yeah, my story is uh, about students at Bryan College giving. And so it's one of the things I love about this place. Mm-hmm. That is such a cool story. I love Dr. Brown. I knew him as April's daddy because oh, April yeah, babysat sure. me. So I taught April gymnastics yeah. while I was here in college. Yeah, so I loved their family. So, oh, yeah, great family. Wonderful and people. So great. That's probably my, my Brian story right there. And then, of course, met my wife here at Brian. Yeah, yeah you better mention that. Yeah. Yes, that's important to mention. <laughs> the love of his life. That's right, 26 um, years in. So. That is awesome. And when did you come back in a... Staff, staff role yeah role. capacity sure, 2012 after being gone many many years mm-hmm. uh, we left got married in 96 diana was on staff here and then in 96 we got married and moved to st louis and we were there almost all the entire time mm-hmm. and then came back in 2012 been here ever since been here since yes love it that is awesome um we're actually gonna talk a little bit about a small kind of part of your job that's a little bit maybe more fun on some days. Um, And And maybe more painful. (laughs) That's very true. That's quite possible. So you play a huge role in the martial arts um, program here on campus. Um, So to launch us into that conversation, what got you into martial arts? Okay. So again, a Brian story in 1982, Delora Ken's father, a Bryan graduate, was in the community and met with a group of parents who were pretty influential in the town to start a YMCA. Hmm. And at the YMCA at that time, it was what is now the library of Dayton City School, small building. Mm -hmm. You walked across the little bridge at Dayton City School to go to the Y, and they began offering classes in gymnastics, martial arts, and aerobics those were the three things they offered mm-hmm. at the time. And I wanted to do both. My brothers were doing martial arts, and so I wanted to do that. My best friend, James Nevins, was doing gymnastics, so I wanted to do that. So my mom signed me up for both, and I stayed with both. Wow. And my brothers quit, and I'm the only one that stayed. <laughs> from the, I'm from the original class at Dave Park, my instructor from 1982, that he had. And... That is when I began, and I've never stopped. That is so cool. So when when you came to Brian, there wasn't any martial arts, or when you came back as no, a staff, there was no, no martial arts. So kind of what was the process of getting that started? Sure. So really where this comes out of is when I was a sophomore at Brian in 1992, I saw a need for the opportunity for women to take self-defense. Mm, yeah. Unfortunately, some things that I was experienced as a child, watched what my mom went through, some some Mm. tough things. I wanted women to be in a position to have the knowledge to feel Mm -hmm. stronger about Mm. their presence out in the world because Brian is an incredibly great incubator for going out into the world. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in the world of safety and defense of self and protecting Mm -hmm. self, Mm -hmm there's not a lot of opportunities for that until you're out there. And so if we could give that opportunity, I wanted to offer that. So in 1992 in Houston dorm, (laughs) in the community room 
I offered women's self-defense, not for a credit, but just a, a class. Yeah. And it went really well. Mm. So from there, as a history major at Bryan, it was an interesting combination. Dr. Jack Trailer was a student of mine in town at our local karate studio. Oh. <laughs> and I was a Brian history major under Dr. Trailer. And so we had opposite roles. He learned from me each week, and I learned from him each week. Mm-hmm. And he and I were going back and forth, and he said that he could be the credit advisor for the class and actually make it a credit class, and then I could be the teacher with him. Yeah. And so in 1993, we began Women's Self-Defense at Bryan College as Mm. a credit course. Mm -hmm. And it continued, even after I graduated, Dr. Trailer continued it until 2011 when Mm -hmm. he retired. Mm -hmm. And then I happened to move back in 2012, (laughs) and I picked it right back up. (laughs) And so that is the beginning for the martial arts was this academic teaching at a college level of Mm self-defense. And then to uh, give good old Mike Keen credit, <laughs> the idea of the fishing team being a non-NAIA program mm-hmm. that was a scholarship varsity sport that we could compete with outside associations, mm-hmm. not through a collegiate program, but through a series offered by an organization outside of the NAIA or NCAA, mm. but you could offer a sport, was the was the the seed of the idea in 2015 and 16. And I finally proposed that in 2017 to the administration to start the Bryan College Martial Arts Academy, which is a varsity level scholarship academy of students who not only will compete in a circuit of tournaments each year, but have the opportunity if they are not already black belts in our style that along with whatever level they are or no experience, they can work their way through to a black belt, never a guarantee in our style, but you Mm -hmm. can work your way to the potential of getting a black belt uh, by the time you graduate. Very cool. What style, when you say Mm -hmm. our style, what is that? So our style is essentially... The movie Karate, the, the you know, Karate Kid. I mean, if okay. you know of Okinawa, Miyagi was in fact one of the instructors that cre- that was part of the creation of our style. Mm-hmm. Tatsuo Shimabuku, who created Ishinru, which means one heart way, is a student of Miyagi and a man by the name of Kian and a man by the name of Motobu Choken. And uh, so... Those three men had their styles, and Tetsuo was an expert in each and created the style that we now okay. train today. So Miyagi, on, so he was from Okinawa. <laughs> he studied starting in 1908 and moved on up, uh, or actually was born in 1908, but moved on up and in 1954 started Ishinru. And then the Marines came after the uh, after World War II, stationed on Okinawa, the Marines studied under Tetsuo Shimabuku and adopted the Ishinru style and That's then brought cool. it back to the United States. Very cool. What a unique history. It really is amazing. And the beauty is there were four Marines who are attributed as the founding mm-hmm. Marines. There were many others, but they were the first four. And Harold Long 
when he came back to the United States, was originally in California and then moved back home to Knoxville, Tennessee. And so when he did, in the early 60s, that began the proliferation of Ishinru in the eastern United States. That is so cool. So I'm going to guess most of our listeners do not know martial arts. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's a fair assumption. Fair assumption. So we're talking about one specific style. Yes. How many styles are there? Can you even give that number? I'm not asking to explain all of them. but Yeah. So it's interesting you ask that because I get this question a lot. Sure. What I would compare it to is saying if you are a Southern Baptist mm-hmm. or if you are... That's not where I thought that was going to go. <laughs> right. Or if you are a, uh, a free will Baptist or if you are a Methodist or an Episcopalian or Presbyterian or are you PCA mm-hmm. or P- mm-hmm. PCUSA, they're actually quite similar because all of mm-hmm. them start with a founding thought or process around a, a movement. So you For have sure. basic structural, what we call classic Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then within that, each area has their focal points, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the same way, martial arts grew out of India, across to China, and we're saying the majority. There's yeah, always some sure. outliers that had their own types of, of, mm-hmm. of training. But for the most part, what we know is martial arts or karate came out of, of India into China and across to the islands uh, of the Asian world. Mm -hmm. And they may focus on either hands or feet. They may focus on harder hitting or more fluid, softer hitting, where you often say, you hear people say uh, hard style, soft style, Mm. external, Mm. internal styles. They all relate to the way in which you take the information and then begin to practice and focus in that area. So similar to those that maybe sing more, mm-hmm. those that study the scripture in mm. their service more, mm-hmm. yeah. those that uh, go and apostatize more, those mm-hmm. that actually stay within their own group more. So they're very similar. Yeah, and that, makes, that makes it pretty fun, really, because it makes it easier to kind of grasp that it would be very hard to give you the total number. But there are definitely themes within karate. Mm-hmm. So karate is actually a Japanese Okinawan term, meaning karate, empty hand. Te meaning hand. Mm-hmm. So the te's in the island area of Okinawa then spread to Japan. And that's a very well-known term in those worlds. In China, you would know of as wushu or gung fu or the way Americans say kung fu. Mm. Those are all terms that speak to Chinese styles. And then, of course, there's lots of there's savat, which is French. There's Mm -hmm. uh, jujitsu, which is a general term for all Asian arts that mean flowing with or moving out of the way of strength so it's to flow mm. with so judo jiu-jitsu all all those terms mean shifting way or shifting or moving mm. out of the way Interesting. things like that uh yeah that would be probably the best way to explain that okay no no, sure. no no that's very helpful there's a lot there is a lot <laughs> and that's that's only empty hand so of course then you have weapons which each oh. weapon is is oftentimes focused in different parts of the world too mm-hmm. so like oh, if you if you know cane canes are used in the Philippines, right? Mm. So there are two sticks. Uh, oftentimes in Japan, you would see a staff or a bow. Yeah. You would see the sai. The sai were used by mm-hmm. the police to protect against the samurai sword because mm. 
the samurai were never allowed to be killed if they had gone rogue. They had you had to actually protect yourself from being killed, but not kill them back, or otherwise you'd be killed. <laughs> because you weren't allowed. The samurai, the samurai in Japan had a special classification, and so they were not allowed to be hurt, yeah. but they also could do a lot of damage. So, yeah. yes, okay. interesting, interesting things. Yeah. So, so really deep, obviously historical significance across mm-hmm. the world and it's cool that we have it here um what does that look like because you said it's a academy mm-hmm. and scholarship based like what does it look like if students want to be a part of that like what is the process to be sure. involved do you have to have experience so you don't have like to that. have experience okay. it, it kind of works on two levels we have certain high school students who similar to any sport, we'll recruit because we're looking to have those leaders on campus who have tremendous background, are are known as good practitioners, whether it's in the kata, which is a series of movements and forms done artistically and and performed well. There's what's called kumite or sparring, which is a prescribed fight within a ring. Oh, cool. It's not street fighting, but it's but it is in a sense giving you the opportunity to engage in combat in a in somewhat of a safe zone, and then also self defense for the street. and And our style in particular is well known for street defense. So as okay. much as we are a sport, we actually are a practical street defense. So we actually do a lot with criminal justice. And we're hoping to continue to build into that program to help prepare people for either FBI, TBI, Mm. Tennessee Bureau, or local law enforcement. So to answer your question, we're always going to recruit for some students who are going to be our experts within our group. But we love it when a student says, I don't have any background, but I'm willing to try this. And that is as exciting too, because there's nothing more beautiful than watching someone who has no background growing into a really good practitioner. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. What's neat is we just had Daniel Kane, who is now on staff here. Mm-hmm. Daniel was one of our first four year, we're in our fifth year, and he was part of our four year, first four year program, got his black belt, and this last, uh, two years ago, and then this last uh, spring in, in early, well, early February, he received, the, he's our first second degree black belt, which you can go for that belt two years after you get your first degree black belt. And there's a whole process and a standard you must meet and and many more expectations than from your first degree black belt. And so as odd as it sounds, there's multiple belts along the way to black belt, but we like to say you really begin learning once you get your first degree black belt. So what are those multiple belts? So the belt system that we use, and it's it's a common belt system. There are variations within the styles, but typically it's it looks a little like this. So it's going to be yellow belt, which is your first, orange, then green, blue, brown, and then black belt. Okay. And you test each semester within our system mm-hmm. to move up. You're not guaranteed you're going to test. We actually hold some people back to make sure they've got all the material. Mm-hmm. But our testing is more so that you're showing everybody what you've already learned as opposed to a test that you might pay for within a style sometimes and mm, then you can pass yeah. or fail. We're never going to test you until you've already made it. We will hold you until you, it's more of a celebration of where you're at. Okay, cool. Gotcha. 
So students that want to be involved don't have to have any experience, and they just need to get in touch with someone who's a part of that's the right. academy or touch admissions, base with you. Admissions. Okay, uh, great. If you are in it, if you're a student that's interested in coming to Bryan College and being a part of the program, it's actually quite popular because a lot of parents put their children in this program for them to learn self-discipline. Mm. Uh, yeah. athleticism, things like that. So they, they're, so it's not uncommon that we'll have high schoolers that have done it. The scholarshiping works that obviously if you're somebody that have, has been in the program for many, many years and you've achieved a lot, you're going to get a higher scholarship. Just like, a, yeah. think of it like a varsity soccer player or yeah, a varsity absolutely. basketball player. Those that have excelled are going to get a good scholarship, but no matter what, you're going to get a minimum scholarship level mm. to be in the academy every year uh, usually between twelve hundred and fifty and seventeen fifty, it's going to be between that Thanks. as your starting scholarship. We also take into account need and FAFSA scores and what what the situation that each and every family are in. Gotcha, very cool. And um, there is a track in the Summer Institute for Martial Arts right. this year, correct? There is. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we yes, just talked is. to some folks uh, about that a couple episodes ago. Um, and it was cool to hear that they are, you guys have your own track. Yes. So you're going to do like a hyper intensive during that week. What are the goals for that in such a cr- so that is an crunched int- amount of yes. time? <laughs> so the beauty is you get a lot of training in a short period of time mm-hmm. yeah. and we are pretty intensive. We don't, we don't play around of our time. And so they're, they're working <laughs> and no learning joke. constantly structural based things. So we mix in basic structure of a few kicks, blocks, and punches, which are the basics within our style, just mm-hmm. from a format. And then we're going to spend time on street defense, mm. choke holds, wrist releases, bear hugs, hair pulls, arm shoulder pulls. We'll discuss the knife. We'll discuss uh, weapons, somebody attacking you, how gotcha. to engage in that situation. Again, it's an introductory at the Summer Institute. Yeah. But it leads then to then the process by which you might go, yes, I think I might enjoy doing that in college and do Mm -hmm. that for four years Mm -hmm. and make it a part of my plan. Yeah, I mean, that's a great opportunity, Mm -hmm. just like all the tracks, to kind of get like a test run. Um, And how fun does that sound? It is fun. You know? (laughs) And we mix mix with criminal justice on one day, and we do an obstacle course mixing self-defense techniques... Oh. and jumping over things and running and then you're shooting at a target so oh my a lot goodness. of fun <laughs> fun artistic activity that 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 really challenges a student that's never done things like that so that's kind of fun oh man that's gonna be so fun what a blast it is gonna be a lot of fun i think it'll be good yeah uh I th- also one of the other things that came to mind as a question was um what events do you guys go to Sure. Or host. Yes, absolutely. So oh, one of the neat question. things is that we we were very blessed that the I spoke about Harold Long just a few minutes ago, and he began the International Ishinru Karate Association, which started in the 1970s and is a very strong circuit of tournaments in our area, probably about a three-hour radius from mm-hmm. Bryan College. Nice. And when I was proposing this program, not only to our administration, I proposed it to this association. Would they take us on and allow us to join their circuit Mm. of tournaments for us to have our footprint for tournaments each year? Mm -hmm. And they said yes. And they have supported us. They have encouraged Mm. us. They've sent students to us. And it has been a huge help because there's nothing like having a structure already built for your program right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the neat thing is starting last year, there was a tournament that had been going on for 35 years. 
that had finally retired. The head instructor retired, mm-hmm. and and no one was filling that spot. So I offered for Bryan College to wow. become one of the circuit tournaments, which again they hadn't opened that circuit up in many many years. Mm-hmm. They said yes, and so last year we held the first ever Bryan Open Karate Tournament, mm-hmm. and then this year just a month ago we held the second. Brian Open, and both very, very successful as regional tournaments. In fact, most tournaments don't start with the support level that we've gotten, and my hat's off and thanks to the IIKA, which is the International Eastern Karate Association, mm. and their leadership under David Gabbard, who is a ninth degree uh, instructor. He's the, the president of that association, and J.C. Burris, who is the 10th degree. There's only one 10th degree in the IIKA, and he is the chairman of the organization and is the leader of it. And so between the two of them, they have really brought us along and helped Mm. us and we've grown a lot. That's Mm. awesome to have the experience to be a part of this, to be learning, but also to be able to put that into like some sort of like competition. I mean, this has got to be so, so fulfilling and to Mm -hmm. also be a part of like kind of the administration on some of that as well to be able to host and like have people come to you. And I mean, that's how to, that's so much for school spirit. Um, I think to be able to go and represent Brian well at different competitions and be able to host a really awesome tournament too. Like, I just think that's incredible that that happened. So the doors opened so easily for that. It sounds like uh, just it's a, God thing. a lot of provision. Uh, it, you know, it really is neat. And when I think about, the fact that we had this last year 149 competitors and 211 spectators, those individuals would never go, oh, I think I'll go visit that place called Bryan College. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. None of that, that group of people would never be necessarily coming to Bryan College for any reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're building a group of a whole new line of individuals who get who we get to share with them Bryan College yeah. and hopefully make a good impression on them that this would be a great place for their somebody in their family maybe to go yeah. to college mm-hmm. but really just to open their eyes to what's right here some of the people live maybe 30 minutes 45 minutes away and have never even thought to come up on the hill mm-hmm. yeah and so that's probably one of my favorite parts is that we're introducing people to Bryan College that normally would never be thinking yeah. hey come here it makes it a lot more accessible. It's to people. really neat. We have a freshman who is the granddaughter of one of what we call the first generation black belts that came from <laughs> Harold Long School in the early oh, 60s. Wow. And Tommy True and his granddaughter is here, not even in martial arts, but because <laughs> but, uh, Brian. Mm. but because of knowing of our program a few right. years ago right. when she was a freshman mm. in high school, she began hearing about Bryan College. Her granddad would talk about it. And they live up north of Harriman, mm. and she's now a student here. And That's awesome. It. So. <laughs> what a cool story. <laughs> I love that. Um, one of the things that I know that you put extra thought into, and as most people do across a lot of different athletic fields, is how, how do we approach athletics differently? Um, and I know we've got a great staff that thinks about that a lot. Um, we do. So specifically – kind of what do you hope students will learn about fulfilling our mission of being servants for Christ in today's world? What do you hope that they will learn about that call on their lives through martial arts? 
Absolutely. That is a great question. And it is something that we value. And I'm going to be very specific to two words, peacekeeper, peacemaker. Mm. And in scripture, in the Beatitudes, Christ speaks specifically about peacemakers. Mm. And we as martial artists take that very seriously. And in our sport, because our sport also pertains to developing confidence in life and confidence when you enter a room, when you engage in combat on a daily basis, it changes the way you look at people when you're engaged them in a boardroom, in mm. a family gathering, in a situation. And as we communicate about the importance of being a peacemaker, mm. what that speaks to is, is that you actually engage the situation and de-escalate tension. Mm. Rather than a peacekeeper who, in a sense, kind of sets back almost like they're just a in some sense, is a mm. wall to be punched at. Mm -hmm. yeah. A peacekeeper is an intentional move forward to step into difficult situations mm. to assist with de-escalating. We, we oftentimes have speakers or trainers who come in and speak to our students. Yeah. We had an amazing uh, grandmaster, Willie Wilson. It means he's a ninth degree. He has been training since 1970 under Harold Long. Wow. And in 1974, he got his black belt, and he went into the inner city of Knoxville and never left. Mm. Next year will be 50 years that he's been impacting, being a peacemaker in inner city Knoxville with all of his students, and they are incredible. That is awesome. He came and did a seminar last weekend with our students, and he shared a phrase with me that has so many layers. Mm. It's, have enough knowledge... To protect your enemies and never hurt your friends. Wow. Hmm. And when you say that phrase, you're like, okay, but how do I protect my enemies trying to hurt me? It means that you have enough knowledge in a given situation that even though I could severely hurt you, I'm going to only hurt you enough so that you won't hurt me. I'm going to protect you mm. from yourself because okay. you don't even know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have enough respect for my friends because the people I care about who also may not understand what I know, I'm going to not hurt them when they say things they don't even mean to say yeah. or do things they don't mean to do. I'm not going to hurt them. And I personally believe the layers of that speak to our faith. Because if we truly care about our enemies, if we truly mm -hmm. want to protect them, well, we're going to protect them from the evil one. Yeah. They're, even though they're our enemies, we're going to pray mm -hmm. for them, just like mm -hmm. Christ said, pray mm -hmm. for your enemies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to our friends, we're going to be so careful. We are the sweet aroma that He speaks about. Yeah. Right. And we're going to we're going to rightly divide the Word of God so that we can share that in a way. That even if we're telling a friend something they need to hear rather than what they want to hear, yeah. we mm. do it in a way that creates, makes it palpable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that phrase, you know, these are the kinds of things they get to experience by learning from these people yeah. who've trained for 50 years and they share their wisdom in a physical activity, mm -hmm. yet it has so much implication on the spiritual level and, mm -hmm. on, and on other levels, mental levels. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's incredible. What a good answer. <laughs> yeah. What a good answer. I've been so enthralled this whole conversation because it's like I have Kung Fu Panda 
as like my base knowledge <laughs> for this. And I, I love those movies, I will say. Um, they I would, actually teach pretty good principles. I mean, yeah, well, my, they have some good thought. I mean, they have good, I like to say all knowledge is God breathed, mm-hmm. right? It may come out in our world in different ways, but For ultimately sure. it comes from the strain of God. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I, there are actually some great things in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, but that's my, that's my base knowledge. <laughs> so you really like for the whole world to like collapse when you the do your pink, pinky finger? Skidoosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Sorry, no doubt. that might be trademarked, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's there's there's so much to that world and like it's so cool to see how we're approaching that differently in a way that's really going to provide opportunities for our students to come out of this program not just skilled in this particular art form but just as human beings like just excellent well-rounded human beings that are learning leadership skills and how to de-escalate and like I think that's going to be increasingly important over the next couple of years mm. as our world just becomes a little bit more, I don't know, tension, tension filled. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's hard. There's a lot going on. So those skills I think are going to be just so crucial for this next generation. So mm-hmm. thank you for what you're doing. It is awesome that this is a part of Bryan College in little old Dayton, Tennessee, that we have something like this cultured and and unique. Um, I just think that's really cool. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for sharing with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything know to is, add? Are you doing it alone? Oh. Meaning. Who helps you? Who helped you? Exactly. <laughs> Good thank question, you for Tim. Saying that because my role has shifted mm-hmm. multiple times since founding this in 2017, and I am very blessed. <laughs> to have Zach Barnes as the director of the program now. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Zach is a third degree black belt and a close friend of mine, and I trained him 11 years ago for his first degree black belt. That's awesome. And among the other things he does by day, he runs this program. Mm. Uh, he is mm-hmm. uh, a physicist and does amazing work for uh, a company by day, but. He, sh- he uses that, actually, by many of the ways he communicates to our students. And we're very blessed. He's the director of the program. Daniel Kane assists him. Mm-hmm. And when Camille Holly, who is our sports information director, can, she also assists. She's a third-degree black belt yes. herself. And in addition to that, Laura Neff, another graduate of our program, assists when she can. But what's neat is the structure is Zach Barnes is the director of the program. My role is on-campus advisor to the program, okay. and I'm Zach's instructor. So we play a dual okay. role. Mm-hmm. And then Scott Shamlin, who just retired, who is my instructor, is the off-campus advisor to the program. One of the things that we believe in in our martial arts is the idea that there is always someone that can teach you. Mm. The danger of feeling that you're arrived yeah is not one you want to settle at and Mm -hmm. so similar to the model of timothy barnabas and paul you should have one of those in your life somebody that you're feeding into somebody that's equal to you that you're sharing life with and 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 can talk to openly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then a paul that's speaking life into you my instructor speaks life into me i speak life into zach and so on, and so it goes on down. We always believe that there is more to learn, mm. and you've never arrived. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's very similar to our faith mm-hmm. in the way that we are always 
as Philippians 3, 12 through 14 speaks of, I'll paraphrase, but the idea that you forget what lies behind and you press on towards mm. the upward goal in mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. You're always pressing upward towards Christ to yep. be like him. Mm-hmm. Not achieving it till heaven, but but we, we, we have the goal in mind, and that's very similar to our martial arts style. That is awesome. And it's cool to think about, like, you were saying someone's been doing this for... 50 50 years. years. So, you know, there's longevity in this, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of people who there's nothing wrong with other sports, obviously, but like how many people can, can really be excellent at what they're doing in such a physical activity that long. So what a unique gift to be like really learning for your entire life. If you want to, this is my 41st year. That is crazy. I'm learning, and there are days I feel like I'm a white belt again, <laughs> and I'm, I'm taking on new learnings, and things are another way to see this, and I love that. I, I love think that's that. great, too, because I feel like having something to, like you said, never really get too comfortable. Yes. You know, because there's not a mm-hmm. lot of that where we Back. have to act, actively pursue and... I don't know. It's very quick to become an expert in, in stuff these days, I feel like, with well, the internet. One of our, you would <laughs> love this. One of our major phrases is become comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and do that, love that. Yes. Be, become comfortable with it because you need to expose yourself to the areas you don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't let your pride get in the way from you learning. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And so we, we oftentimes will speak about in the traditional schools, you have six, six-year-old children with 70-year-old men. Mm-hmm. And we love to say to the first-degree black belt who might be in his 20s or something, or she's in her 20s, and we say, could you learn from the six-year-old? <laughs> of course, the right answer is yes. Of course. Well, why? <laughs> because you might not have been there on a day that they took in information that you couldn't have taken in, and they could teach you that information you think you know, yeah. but you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so being available to learn Mm. mentally from anybody around you, any skill, Mm -hmm. any knowledge, yes, we get used to saying, well, I learned from this person in this position or this person has achieved it or they've arrived. Yeah. But you can learn from anybody. Mm -hmm. And to keep that type of mindset, I think, is powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I've talked about it on the podcast before, but all through grad school, that was a really challenge. And I, my background's in theater. Um, so there, I feel like there's a lot of things that can kind of intersect, I guess, between the two art forms. Um, I had a professor who always was like, fill, fill the room with people who are smarter than you, Mm. like be around people who are smarter than you in areas that you are not gifted in. And that's not to say that you're dumb or that you don't have something to bring to the table. But when you look around the table, fill the seats with people who know things about things that you don't know. (laughs) Um, And that's how you become a good collaborator. And that's how you become a good teammate. Mm -hmm. Um, I also always, my phrase, I I said it in the podcast with Steven, um, and we've talked about getting shirts. Um, But I always said, walk afraid, which was kind of my version of, I know it's probably a quote from somebody that I heard somewhere and I just kind of adopted it. So sorry if I stole your phrase, but Um, just this idea of not getting too comfortable. So I would look at 
all right, what classes are offered or what opportunities do I have to do different things? Okay, directing is terrifying. I should probably do that. <laughs> so just being able mm -hmm. to like be vulnerable and like nervous about jumping into that next step is just like terrifying. It is. It's really scary, but it's always rewarding. So I do love that a lot. That's <laughs> I resonate name. with it. Is there anything else? We've been going for a little while. Not that I've enjoyed the conversation, but I want to make sure that we... Yeah. respectful of time but also if there's anything else we need to add or no, we have asked me covered. on here and i would just encourage anybody that is interested if you are a high schooler and you yeah. thought man i would love to learn that or wow i never thought that i could get a scholarship mm. yeah. to college sure. to train for four years in martial arts would love to have them look at bryan college cool yeah. we'll, we'll do some digging and make sure that we put um some links because I, I think there's information on the website we'll put some links in our episode description so if anyone is interested these opportunities are here at brian mm -hmm. yeah definitely. um and i'm sure david will love to sit down and talk to you more about it too mm -hmm. so but thank yeah. you so much for sharing such a cool story and we appreciate you making time for us today yeah absolutely thank, thank you, you. Mm -hmm. all right later bye a couple of quick announcements on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, so that's April 20th through the 22nd, the Bryan College Hilltop Players is doing performances of The Murder Room. It is a super fun murder mm. mystery, so um, definitely want to buy a ticket and come enjoy this awesome theatrical performance. It's going to be happening in Red Auditorium um, at 7.30 p.m. Um, each one of those evenings. And if you want to call and get tickets, that phone number is 423 775 seven four nine eight awesome uh and just so that you can plan ahead on saturday may 6th is graduation and that is at 9 30 a.m so as you're <laughs> looking at getting up early and getting started on a saturday morning uh may 6th uh and so please we would love for you to come and uh join us thank you Thanks so much for listening. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. Make sure you subscribe and share. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.